The following is a presentation of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Powered by Learfield. Welcome to Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics. Fantrice's debut continues to impress. Four touchdown passes has just tied a Georgia Southern school record. It is 44-7. Inside Eagle Nation is brought to you by Morris Bank. It pays to bank blue. Bud Light. Responsibility has its rewards. Enjoy responsibly. And by Savannah Hilton Head International Airport. Shot fake to get around Anderson. Lane, there's another highlight reel dunk. Check the rim and check the bolts. He almost ripped it off the backboard. It's a game-by-game thing with Kamari Brown. Eagles fans, this is your all-access pass to all things true blue. It's time to take you inside Eagle Nation. And as Coach Russell will say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And now, here's your host, the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed. Eagle Nation, it's great to see you again. Back one more time with the Inside Eagle Nation podcast episode 222. And as we wind down the month of February, we know that it's about time for conference tournament play for Georgia Southern men's and women's basketball. We'll have a full preview of that. And we also wind down our Black History Month interviews, catching up a little bit later on with former Georgia Southern baseball All-American Darrell Baker, who is still the program's all-time leader in single-season batting average and career batting average. And the way that he developed his batting eye with his brother, well, that's an amazing story in and of itself, but we'll have that for you a little bit later on. Beginning this episode with Georgia Southern women's tennis and how hot have they been lately. Seven consecutive victories now after going 4-0 this past week. On Tuesday, they took down Jacksonville State 5-2. Friday, a 4-1 victory over the College of Charleston. And then sweeping Queens over the weekend, 6-1 on Saturday and 7-0 on Sunday. They are now 7-1 this spring. They'll take on North Florida on Wednesday, 1 p.m. over at the Wallace Tennis Center. Georgia Southern Track and Field participating at the Indoor Championships in Birmingham last week finished fifth overall in team competition. That is the best for the squad since they joined the Sun Belt back in the 2015 campaign. In team competition, Georgia Southern took home the gold in the 4x400-meter, setting a school record and a meet record. Individually, Scobie Ayakoru won the 400-meter dash, setting a school record and a meet record. She also finished third in the 200-meter finals, but in preliminary competition, she set the Georgia Southern record and the meet record in the 200-meter dash. And closing out individual honors, Devine Parker, who we've talked about a number of times this year, along with Ayakoru, she set the school record in the 60-meter dash, finishing second overall in the Sun Belt Championships. Quite the showing for David Neville's crew, literally and figuratively speaking, a lot of strides made in just one year as they have a bright future with that program. Georgia Southern football schedule for 2023 finally came out last week as Eagle fans had to wait no more to see when and where they'd be playing in Clay Helton's second year. Non-conference schedule had been set for a while, knowing that the Citadel would be coming to Allen E. Paulson Stadium on September the 2nd, followed by another home game against UAB, finishing the back end of that home-and-home that was started last year. And those are two programs that have new head coaches, the Citadel being led by alum Maurice Strayton, and UAB just hired Trent Dilfer within the last couple of months. Also for Wisconsin, going up to Camp Randall Stadium on September the 16th, they've got a new coach, former Cincinnati headman Luke Fickle taking over the Badgers, and then September the 23rd, finishing up non-conference play in Muncie, Indiana at Schumann Stadium as Georgia Southern looks to take both contests from Ball State. Conference play starts the next week. Georgia Southern hosting Coastal Carolina, and following the bye week, the Eagles head to Harrisonburg, Virginia for their first trip there. They'll battle the James Madison Dukes. 
on the 21st and the 26th of October. It's back-to-back home games. Now, you might have noticed there's only five days in between. We'll tell you why. That's Saturday, October the 21st. Georgia Southern takes on ULM. And then five days later, a Thursday night matchup. It's Georgia Southern versus Georgia State at Paulson Stadium. A Thursday matchup between the Eagles and the Panthers for the first time ever. The next Saturday, November the 4th, Georgia Southern is at Texas State. The next Saturday on the road one more time, going to Huntington, West Virginia, visiting Edwards Stadium for the first time since 1995. November the 18th is the final home game for Senior Day against Old Dominion. And then closing things out on November the 25th, at Appalachian State at Kid Brewer Stadium. Six homes, six road, five of those are on Saturdays. Make sure to get your tickets so you're part of Clay Helton's second year leading Georgia Southern football, 1-800-GSU-WINS, or you can go online to gseagles.com slash tickets for all the information leading in to the 2023 season. Georgia Southern men's tennis notched a pair of victories over the weekend, defeating Furman 4-1 on Saturday, and then rallying back late for a dramatic 4-3 victory against Gardner-Webb on Sunday. Men's tennis has now won four consecutive matches. They are 7-3 and three overall. They'll take on North Florida this Thursday here in Statesboro over at the Wallace Tennis Center. Women's golf picked up right where it left off after winning the Reynolds Lake Oconee Invitational the week before. They won the Ford Invitational this past week at the Ford Field and River Club down in Richmond Hill. Six Eagles finishing in the top 20, led by Haley Yerksa, who carded a plus one to finish second overall. The women next up at the Valspar Intercollegiate at Forest Hills Country Club in Augusta. That will be on March the 11th and the 12th. Georgia Southern softball continued its 11-game homestand with six home games last week. On Wednesday, they played South Carolina for the first time since 2013, gave the Gamecocks all they wanted, but ultimately falling in a 3-0 shutout. Each team only recorded four hits, but South Carolina was a little bit more efficient offensively, escaping with a 3-0 victory. It was the GATA challenge over the weekend as the Eagles played two games on Friday, taking down North Carolina A&T 4-0 thanks to Morgan Kendrick's complete game one hitter in which she struck out 13 batters, most strikeouts by an Eagle pitcher since 2016. In the second game on Friday, the Eagles fell to Middle Tennessee 11-2. On Saturday, two more contests, falling to Middle Tennessee 5-0, in which the Eagles only had two base hits, and also dropping an 11-8 decision to North Carolina A&T, despite Deja Mills going 4-4 with a double and a home run. Action concluded on Sunday with a 4-0 shutout of North Carolina A&T. Elena Bernard picked up her first career shutout, giving up only two base hits, while Courtney Ball drove in three of Georgia Southern's four runs. Eagles are on the road this coming weekend down in Tallahassee at the FSU tournament. Eagles will take on Colgate and UMass on Friday, UMass and host Florida State on Saturday, and then the Florida State Seminoles on Sunday to conclude that five-game weekend. They're back at home on Tuesday, March the 7th, taking on Kennesaw State over at Eagle Field on Scooby-Doo night. Four games last week as well for Georgia Southern Baseball. Tuesday night in front of a sellout crowd against Georgia Tech. Eagles jumped out 5 to nothing in the first inning as the first six guys of the game got on base. But Tech rallied back with a pair of three-run home runs and taking down Georgia Southern 8-6, to winning for the 13th time in the last 14 meetings in the series. Those two will match up again next month in Atlanta. But last weekend, the eight-game homestand continued as Georgia Southern matched up against East Tennessee State for the first time in nearly two decades. It was a narrow 
victory on Friday, but a victory nonetheless behind five one-run innings from Ty Fisher. Georgia Southern holding off the Buccaneers 8-7 to as Jay Thompson picked off the tying run at first base to seal the victory and pick up his second save of the season. Game two was all Eagles. No errors, seven two-out runs, and brilliance from Ben Johnson. He goes seven innings, a career-high, giving up only one hit while striking out a career-high nine, retiring the final 16 batters that he faced as he improved to 2-0 on the season, and Georgia Southern shut out ETSU in Game 2, 9-0. Head coach Rodney Hennon joined Whitney Hayworth on the Ford Clubhouse Report, talking about how impressive it was to watch Ben Johnson work and just how Georgia Southern earned Coach's 799th victory as the leader of the Georgia Southern baseball program. He was terrific today. Um, Just had everything working, uh, was getting ahead in the count. And uh, just really mixing his pitch as well. And, uh, you know, we played clean baseball behind him. Uh, you know, just, uh, just a great effort. Any time you can get a starter to, to go seven innings uh, like that, that's, that's what you want from those guys. And, and he gave us an outstanding effort today. When you look at the bottom of the fourth, Sam Blancato, two RBI single. Then you get to the bottom of the sixth. He's got another RBI, Blake Evans, two RBI triple. What did it see? What did it mean to have those guys have the eyes that they did at the plate today? Yeah, you know, those guys at the bottom are, are giving us good at bats, Blake and, and, and Peacher. And uh, Sammy gave us some good tough at bats today. And, uh, you know, some, some two out hits there in the fourth, which, which started with Blake's double uh, off the wall. But I tell you, and I told the team this, the play I'm most proud of from Blake Evans, you know, you're going to look at the box score and see the three hits and the doubles, but him laying out and and saving a run at shortstop behind Javon Ray in in a nine-run game, you know, that's that's the way you play the game, and, and, and that just says a lot about who Blake is. And you talk about the box score and the stat sheet. You actually just took a look at it, and what you were very impressed by were the attendance numbers. Just what does it mean to see J.I. Clements be packed the way that it has been these first two weekends, knowing it's only February? Oh, man, I, I tell you, the, the crowds have been uh, unbelievable. And I, I, I want to thank Eagle Nation for coming out here and, and supporting us. Uh, it does make a difference, you know, playing in this kind of uh, environment and, and atmosphere. The crowds have been great, and hopefully people continue to come back out. The Eagles went for 800 on Sunday, but it wasn't to be as ETSU scored seven times in the seventh inning to bust open a close game. And it was the Buccaneers taking the finale by a 10-2 score. Georgia Southern starting the season with a 4-3 record. It wraps up tonight at 6 o'clock over at J.I. Clement Stadium. Georgia Southern plays the Mercer Bears. They have not played a single opponent more than Mercer over the course of their history, sweeping the Bears last season despite Mercer being a 40-win team. The Bears come to town with a 5-3 record, having lost two of three over the weekend in Macon at Ortho Georgia Park to Rhode Island. We'll be on the air at 5.30 with the Cutwater Spirits on Deck Circle. Let's take a break on this week's edition of Inside Eagle Nation. When we come back, we'll take a look at Sunbelt Conference basketball tournament scenarios as well as recap the end of the regular season. You're listening to Inside Eagle Nation. In 2022, Georgia Southern Baseball took the next step. They found a way. For the first time since 1979, Georgia Southern has taken a series on the road from a top 10 team. 41 victories and hosting an NCAA regional for the first time in program history. Get your tickets now for the 2023 season. 30 home games at J.I. Clements. Call 1-800-GSU-WINS or visit gseagles.com slash tickets. 
taken to the hardwood to talk Georgia Southern women's basketball. They have been playing extremely well over the final month of the regular season, and that continued with those last two road contests. Despite being bumped up a day, having to travel on Tuesday instead of Wednesday, on Wednesday night they took down South Alabama 75-59 to in Mobile. It continued on Friday night in Atlanta, defeating Georgia State 67-61 to as the program earned its 20th victory of the season. Not just important because it was the 11th all-time 20-win season for Eagle women's basketball, but it was the first in 20 years. Wednesday against South Alabama was historic as Taryn Ward dominated the Jaguars with 29 points, crossing 1,000 points in her career, becoming the 25th women's basketball player to eclipse 1,000 points. Congratulations to Taryn on a tremendous accomplishment to start last weekend. And after the Eagles finished off the Panthers on Friday, they found out they had earned the number six seed for the conference tournament. For the women, that begins on Wednesday at the Pensacola Bay Center in Pensacola, Florida. The women will take on the winner of number 11, Arkansas State and number 14 ULM on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Chad Jackson has the call for you on GSEagles.com and the Varsity Network app. And if the Eagles happen to win that game, they move on to Friday's quarterfinal when they battle number three Southern Miss. That could be an interesting matchup because the Eagles and the Golden Eagles did not see each other during the regular season. But best of luck to Georgia Southern women's basketball as they journey towards a Sunbelt Conference championship. On the men's side, finishing things up at Hanner Fieldhouse last weekend, they had won their previous three home games and coming off a difficult road trip, losing to Marshall in the final seconds and also falling to first place Southern Miss, who ended up clinching a 15-0 home record with that win in Hattiesburg the previous Saturday. Eagles bouncing back on Wednesday versus Coastal Carolina with a 76-68 win, knocking down a season-high 14 threes in 29 attempts, including a career-high tying four three-pointers each for Kamari Brown and Andre Saversoff. For Saversoff, he also grabbed 11 rebounds, recording his eighth double-double, which is the fifth highest total in the Sunbelt Conference. And it was a special Friday for senior night. It was Georgia Southern versus Appalachian State. Eagles had to come back from an eight-point deficit in the first half and a seven-point deficit in the second half, but they came out on top to send Eagle Nation home happy, 73-64 the final score, as Georgia Southern defeated rival Appalachian State. To cover the finer points of this game, we thought we would do something a little bit different on this week's podcast, as we will now hear from the five senior starters from that Friday victory over App State. We let them tell you the story about how they came back and took down App to finish 16-15 and 9-9 and in conference play. Jalen Finch is up with us first, 13 second-half points, but we've got to begin with those three consecutive threes, Jalen, that you made after App had built that 50-43 to lead. You make the three straight threes to put you guys up by two. In the middle of all that, you also took the charge. What was working with the shot in the second half? Um, just to st- continue to stay confident with my shot. Um, shot one early, and I missed it. Didn't let that affect me. Just uh, continue to stay confident in my shot. And, you know, they, the three – Consecutive threes, you know, they went in for me. What did it feel like to hear this place get fired up when you made three in a row? Uh, it felt great. You know, it gave, it gave the team a lot of en- the, the energy that we need to, you know, break open the lead. It felt great to make those threes. And then being able to take the charge in the middle of all that to help get you guys back on court because App at that point, I think they only had four team fouls, and then you draw the charge, Tyron draws the charge, so you end up stealing a couple of possessions right there. Yeah, so um, – you know, that was great. Uh, that gave us a lot of mo- the momentum that we needed within the last seven minutes. So our defense definitely, you know, won us the game today. All right, what are you looking forward to most about Pensacola? This is my first time being there at Sunbelt Conference. I heard it's one of a kind of a place to, to be and to play in. Great energy, great atmosphere. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. 
I know you got a poster, you got a sign. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate you. Carlos Curry is going to join us next. Ten points, three rebounds, four of seven from the field, two of two at the line. In 23 minutes of action, Carlos getting a chance to be back in the starting lineup for the second straight game in your final home contest. I know you love that jump shot, but it seemed like you were able to get inside early and take advantage with your size against a pretty big front line. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, like you said, I do, I do love that jump shot, but, man, I take it around the basket all day, man. <laughs> <laughs> what does it feel like to beat App State for the second time in a year? Oh, man, it feels great, especially since last year they, they, they got us two or three times, man. It feels good to get our revenge. What about this team is clicking right now as you head to conference tournament play? Our chemistry, man. I mean, like, we, we got a group of guys that love each other on and off the court. So, I mean, and I feel like we just gel together perfectly. We went through a little adversity in the middle of the season. You know, guys just stuck it out, stuck together, you know. I feel like we'll be fine heading into the tournament. Los, great job. We'll talk to you in Pensacola. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, my guy. Caden Archie, senior number three. Yes, he's <laughs> – we're going to bring that up. Career high, six <laughs> assists for Caden Archie. Played uh, 35 minutes, woo. five rebounds as well. I know you got an old body. I know you've been, you've been a lot of places. But to, yeah. to take control of the game in that area, career high, six assists, yeah. how did you gain control in that respect? I mean, really early on, you know, I shot a couple threes and I, and I felt like my shot wasn't really going. So, you know, the best thing you can do in that situation is, is get your teammates involved. And that's what I try to do. Even if it didn't lead to a direct assist, you know, just moving the ball, you know, being in the swing guy today and just kind of be aggressive on the playmaking side of the ball today. With the way that App defends, I know that you've seen them a lot. You've seen them more than any other team since you got here back in 2020. But with the way that they defend, what makes it so challenging to score on them? They just don't foul. You know, uh, their coach been there for a minute. You know, he teaches fundamental defense. You know, they do a great job walling up without fouling. You know, and that kind of – we struggle with that at the rim a little bit. Ultimately, we end up figuring out. We had Dre scoring big tonight. Jay Finch went on the run himself. Kamari hitting threes now. So, it was good for us. I know you guys – like to be two to one assist to turnover for sure you were three to one tonight 15 <laughs> assists and five turnovers you had six of those but to turn the ball over five times against the defense like that that that's awesome stuff for sure for sure you know uh we preach every game 11 or less 11 or less that's our formula to win you know the last couple of games um we struggled you know turn the ball over and stuff like that but tonight we got back on track against a really good team all right pensacola one more time what's it going to take for this team to make a run great a whole lot of grit, a whole lot of toughness. You know, four games in four days is not easy for anybody. So being mentally locked in more than anything around this time, we're not really practicing a lot. So just really bringing mental focus and just be together like we were tonight. We was together. You know, no one really cared who scored, who got the glory. You know, we just all wanted to win. Go see your family. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Kamari Brown will join us next. And we could take it a number of different ways with Kamari. Really talk about it in careers worth of dunks. But lately it's been the three-point shot that has gone for old number four. Mentioned that coming into this weekend, Kamari was the owner of just 12 made threes all season, but Kamari knocks down four against Coastal Carolina on Wednesday. Three more in this game finishes with 12 points. But, dude, what possessed you to take off from there to start that? Because the look on Andre's face was better than, I think, the actual <laughs> Doug. I want you to go back on the video. Watch it. He goes hands behind his head, and he's watched you do everything that we've watched you do yeah. the last three years. What, what, what was going on? Just going out there and just being the best version of me. You know, like I said last time, you know, I'm playing through, I'm playing through God and, and through him, you know, and playing that way. So, uh, Jalen, he's known to throw me that pass all the time. He's so been no. <laughs> right there. So I told him, I told him, actually, I told him at halftime, I said, if you throw it, just go ahead and throw it, just throw it up. And he did. Big 40. What's the ball feeling like leaving your hand these last two games? Uh, it feels good. It feels good. I'm, I'm confident, you know. I put in the time and the work in, in my shot. So it's just a matter of me going out there and believing in myself and just going out there and, and playing basketball, not thinking at all.
Caden said something a moment ago that really stuck out. He said that you guys were together. Nobody cared who got the points. You end up with four and double figures. All eight guys that played scored. But to just feel that kind of unselfishness, that's exactly what you're going to need next week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whole new season. I hope to see a lot more from you. Great job. Congratulations. Right. Yes, sir. Thank you, Danny Reed. We'll save Andre Saversoff for last. What a night. 32 minutes, 28 points, 9 of 13, 8 of 9 at the line, 5 boards, Two offensively. You had 12 points in a row at one spot. During that second half, you had the and one to kind of put the icing on the cake. What worked? I just trusted in God, trusted in my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, he guided me through it and helped me, you know, in those moments, gave me confidence, and it's all him, all glory to him. I think we've talked about this before. You've really become the inside-outside guy. you got the strength to be able to bang with the league's bigs now, but lately with the three-point shot, two of three this game, you're now 10 of your last 18 from downtown. I've complimented you on how good the shot always looks coming out of your hand, but the level of confidence you're playing with, where is it coming from? Just putting, putting extra hours in, in the gym, you know, going to the gym at night, early in the morning, putting extra shots, working on my body, you know, taking care of my body, going to a treatment. All of this comes together, you know, and just having, like, confidence knowing that I'm putting so many time and wor working, you know, on my, on my game and having – you know, trust of my teammates in me. All this comes together and helps me to play the way I do. What's going to make this team so tough in Pensacola next week? Oh, we just got to build on what we have right now. We just got to, you know, keep keep building on a on a on a on a run that we we have on on the games that we, on the last two games that we played. Just got to keep building on it. Eliminate some of our mistakes on defense, on offense, and we're a scary team to play. We 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 it's going to be a new season. We're going to be we're going to come with a new approach and. We're ready to, to make a statement. Head coach Brian Berg joined us on the four locker room wrap-up as well as the Eagles won their final two games and got some help from across the rest of the league to finish as the number seven seed. Coach Berg feels like his team is capable of making some noise in Pensacola. I'm so proud of the seniors, you know, those guys that bought into the program, have been through, you know, a lot, stuck through it, and then uh, they were rewarded tonight. I thought they played really well, collection of guys. Um, we got hit in the mouth early in the first half, and we were able to respond through the adversity. But, you know, very proud of those guys. Played extremely well and uh, excited to carry this momentum into Pensacola. I'm sitting here thinking, who are we going to have on post game? You want to talk to Andre with the 28 points, but then Caden has a career-high six assists. Kamari goes crazy with the dunk, the three threes. Jalen scores nine straight points. He has all 13 of his in the second half. Carlos continues to play well. And if you put it all together, your seniors scored 67 out of your 73 points. That's exactly what you want in their final home game. Yeah, experienced ball club, and I was, <laughs> I was glad there, you know, with those guys, played a lot of minutes on the court throughout their careers. And just really, really glad that they were able to play well and we were able to send them off with a win. Now, six and a half minutes into this game, I thought it was going to be a lot more high scoring. It was 16-13 half, and then it became a defensive struggle the rest of the half as the defenses took over. How did your guys adjust on the fly to hold up without a field goal for almost seven minutes down the stretch? Well, we didn't get rattled. You know, Huntley came out and made some really tough shots early on. They did the same thing at App State. They started off, I think they made their first nine of 11. Um, but uh, we were able to settle down, be able to – to get some key stops, and I thought we did a really good job first half getting some easy easy buckets in transition. They're a tough team. I mean, they don't ever beat themselves. They're really solid. Uh, you also look at at our overall team today, and, you know, we, we took care of the basketball. We only had five turnovers. Yeah. So we were able to value it, try to get shots every single possession. That's a, that's a formula for success. Daniel, I'd also like to say some guys really stepped up today. For sure. Uh, I thought Kamari Brown had some 50-50 balls that he won. You know, you talked about Caden Archie with his assists, six assists. 
Uh, Carlos Curry with his minutes, you know, 10 points. I thought he had a really good presence early on in that game in regards to offensive rebounding and scoring around the rim. You know, Finch with those back-to-back -back threes, that was a big blow for uh, for them to take whenever he made those threes. So each guy stepped up tonight and really proud of him. Uh, looking forward to, you know, trying to get a little bit of recovery before we head to Pensacola. As the number seven seed, Georgia Southern knows its first opponent on Thursday night in the second round. They'll take on number 10, ULM. That is an 8.30 tip-off from the Pensacola Base Center. Our approximate airtime will be 8 p.m. Eastern with the Cutwater Spirits countdown to tip-off. The reason why the time is approximate is because there are three games before that on that Thursday in Pensacola. So there is a high likelihood that that start time could be delayed. But Georgia Southern and ULM play in the second round with a chance to take on the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns in Saturday's quarterfinal. They finished as the number two seed as they beat South Alabama on Friday night on national television. But it will either be the Eagles or the Warhawks against the Ragin' Cajuns 8.30 on Saturday night. We'll be live at 8 with the Cutwater Spirits countdown to tip-off. Best of luck to the Eagle men and the Eagle women as they try to make their dreams come true this week in Pensacola. When we return from this timeout, we conclude our Black History Month interview sitting down with Georgia Southern baseball standout Darrell Baker. This is Inside Eagle Nation. It's time to pack your bags because Savannah Hilton Head International offers nonstop flights to a variety of major cities, including Denver, Miami, New York City, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Cleveland, and many more. Eight airlines, 26 nonstop destinations. Savannah Hilton Head International, the official airport of Georgia Southern Athletics. See where the airport can take you at flysav.com. Eagle Nation have the absolute pleasure today to speak with one of the best in Georgia Southern history. We only had him for two years in 1980 and 1981, but third baseman Darrell Baker is our guest as we talk with Eagle athletes as part of Black History Month. Darrell, we really appreciate the time today. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Uh, my pleasure, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. It's a great honor just to be part of the Black History, and it's just my pleasure to do this interview. Being from Hinesville but spending the first part of your college career at Middle Georgia, how did it come to pass that you ended up at Georgia Southern for that 1980 season? I really signed to play football at East Carolina University out of Bradwell Institute. Deep down in my heart, I really was a big fan of football as far as, uh, you know, baseball was my first love. I turned down the scholarship at East Carolina in order for me to be eligible my uh, freshman year. I had to go to a middle, uh, junior college. My high school coach, Tom Bigwood, helped me to uh, get into Middle Georgia College. It was Middle Georgia College at that time. Now it's Middle Georgia University, I believe. And from Middle Georgia, uh, the coaches would come down and uh, take part of some of my games. I, I would see them all the time. Coach Bryant was one who would tend a lot. Uh, Larry Bryant was always there coming. And when I finished at Middle Georgia, uh, they gave me an opportunity to come to Georgia Southern. That's how I got to Georgia Southern, from Middle Georgia to Georgia Southern, on a two-year scholarship. Do you remember the first time you talked with Coach Stallings? <laughs> I really don't remember the very first time, but I was just in awe of Coach Stallings. He was a little man, but he had quite a, a voice on him. Man, he, he was really intimidating to be such a little man. <laughs> Uh, Coach Stallings taught me a lot how to carry myself as a professional. Georgia Southern baseball, they, they teach you how to play the game. 
and they teach you how to uh, be a professional. Two years I played there. I just wish uh, it would have been four years instead of the two. You already brought up Tom Bigwood, and that's somebody that's very fondly thought of amongst Eagle Nation in the 73 College World Series. He threw the two-hit shutout and the victory over Harvard. What did he tell you about what it was like to play at Georgia Southern? Well, he said I would get good teaching. That was the main thing. And I would learn the game of baseball. He was telling me, I believed Coach Bigwood played for uh, Coach Polk during his time at Georgia Southern. He just recommended Georgia Southern. They would be uh, a good place to play, a good place to learn. So my two years there, I learned so much about baseball. I even took Coach Stallings' baseball class while, while I attended uh, Georgia Southern. And I learned even more about baseball just taking his class uh, uh, while I was there. I've heard from so many people about how great of a teacher Coach Stallings was, but how important was it for you to be such an eager learner to want to do the best that you could? Being uh, one of a, of a couple of black players that uh, was on the team, I just wanted to uh, hold my end up and I wanted to open up the doors for more black players to be uh, invited to Georgia Southern. I, I don't think there were too many before my time. Uh, hopefully, I was able to do that. To be a part of making that kind of history, was there any instance where you put more pressure on yourself, or was it just that you were so happy to be one of the first and to show what you could really do? No, it wasn't any pressure. Uh, the work was already done. Doing the drills that we had, batting drills. I spent so much time in the batting cage with a good buddy of mine, uh, Tom Neapoli, man. Uh, we call him Nipper. So many uh, hours in the batting cage, just working on different drills. And the coaching staff uh, just prepared you for uh, defensive drills. And when it was time to play the game, the game was easy. So I was, you know, really prepared. Like I said, the work was already done before the games we played. So the games became easy for me. How did Coach Stallings help make you a better man? Oh, man. <laughs> Coach Stallings have so many stories, and God rest his soul, so many stories that he told during my time there, and he taught me how to be a man. He told some good stories, you know, helped me to become a, a good person and a good human being. Um, like I said, he has so many stories uh, that he told through the years that I was there, and I'll never forget them. Are there one or two that you think about often that you find yourself telling people? <laughs> uh, he has one that I always remember about. He was talking about Ted Williams, talking about the, how great Ted Williams was. Ted Williams was in the batting cage, I think, in spring training. One of the reporters was uh, right behind the cage and asking Ted, uh, well, Ted, you think you uh, – I think you'll have a good year this year. Ted is in the cage, just wow, just I mean, hitting line drives after line drive. Reporter kept asking him questions. Ted, you think you you get to four hundred this year? They come another pitch, and Ted just whacks it in the gap off the wall. And another pitch come. Uh, well, the reporter asked him again a couple other questions, but Ted was in the cage, you know, hitting line drives after line drives. So. The reporter left 
<laughs> left the cage and you know he was kind of cussing under his breath. Oh, that's that son of a bitch Williams. He could answer some of my questions. One of the coaches came up to Ted after all of this and said, uh, "But Ted, you didn't have to be so rude to that reporter." So Ted asked his coach, "What reporter?" Ted didn't hear a word that reporter asked him. None of the questions he asked, he heard. That's the kind of concentration he had while he was doing his work in the cage. One of the stories Coach Stallings told, and one of the ones that uh, I'll never forget. You know, around the time that you were in high school, going through college, and figuring out your life, the idea of blacks in baseball was still relatively new. Jackie Robinson had broken the color barrier only in 1947. Who'd you look up to? Pete Rose was one of my favorites, man. I just loved the way he went about his business, the, the hustle. You know, they call him Charlie Hustle, and Pete was he was a heck of a hitter. I was a big Braves fan, and seemed like uh, seemed like every time Cincinnati would come and play the Braves, Pete would, uh, man, he would eat them up. You know, always getting three and four hits a night. I just admired the way he played. He 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 hustled. Even taking a walk, he would sprint down first base. I just loved the way he played and went about his business. Pete Rose, you know, he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. How did you play the game? I tried to play hard. Tried to play with, uh, well, not with a chip on my shoulder. I just tried to play the game hard and went about my business. And like I said, Georgia Southern showed me how to uh, conduct myself. I mean, I've always been a pretty much a low-key guy. I guess that's what drew uh, the Georgia Southern coaching staff my way. They saw the way I conducted myself on the field. I wasn't really a big rah-rah guy. Just tried to get the job done. So played the game hard and and tried to uh, get as many hits during the game and try to make some plays out in the field and uh, try to get some wins. I was all about winning. So that was pretty much it in a nutshell. When the game goes into overtime. But the game goes into overtime. The choice to enjoy is easy. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Order Bud Light online today. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Well, over those two years, you guys, you won a lot. Going to the NCAA tournament in 1980, winning 41 games in 1981. You had 425 combined over those two years, still a program record. How did you find the ability to have that kind of success at Georgia Southern so quickly? That it was the work I put in, the countless hours in the cage. Like I said, my buddy Tom Neopoli, we spent a lot of time in there. Uh, We'd work on balls. I mean, you throw balls inside, you throw balls away from me, just moving the ball around. And even before that, uh, <laughs> I came up during the time when before the video age. So we played ball pretty much every day outside. There was a game I got to tell you about my brother Ron that we devised, and we called it top ball. Well, why we call it top ball? Because that's what it was. My mom used to, uh, Buy this deodorant. It was a deodorant called Mum. 
we used to take the top off of her deodorant, and that was our ball, our baseball. And that top, it would curve all over the place. And and to this day, I truly believe that's how I was able to hit breaking balls and sliders so well because of the game top ball that we played at such a young age. And like I said, we played that game pretty much day in and day out. So I was able to work on my craft as a youngster, nine, ten years old. That game, I believe, really helped me to hit breaking balls, which I, a lot of times I would go up just l- looking for a breaking ball. Guys will say, oh, babe, you take two and you go to right with that breaking ball. So there's a lot of at-bats that uh, I was 0-2 in the hole, but when that breaking ball came, I, I lined it the right center field. You remember the two-out hit against Mercer in 1980 to win the TAC title? Yes, I remember that. That was uh, – that was quite a thrill, quite a thrill. I think that was a fastball that he tried to sneak by me <laughs> on that occasion. But I know I, I believe I hit it uh, to right fields uh, in that direction, and it was a game winner. So that was quite a thrill, one of the biggest thrills I had at Georgia Southern. What was it like to play in an NCAA tournament at the Clemson Regional that year? <laughs> oh, very exciting. It was a dream come true, just playing that Clemson team. They were a good team. We came up on the short end that day, but it was it was very exciting. It was a thrill just to go against a team like Clemson. It got the best of us that day, but uh, like it was a thrill just to be there. You had to feel that something was special the next year. This is what a lot of people associate with you at Georgia Southern. You had 462 in 1981. You set the program records for not just average by far, but also having 108 hits that season in a year that consisted of 64 games. So as you're going throughout this and the hits are just coming and coming and coming, how is this something that you're dealing with, realizing the kind of year that you're having? I was just trying to stay consistent. Coach Stallings put me in the three-hole. That's a position that's supposed to be a position where you're the best hitter on the of the team. So I just tried to hold up in my end of the bargain and put some numbers up, help my team to win. But that year, it was pretty special. It uh, seemed like everything I hit was falling. Because like sometimes you find those holes, but and sometimes you don't. But that year, uh, I found quite a few. Telling the story about top ball a little earlier, it makes sense that you only struck out 37 times in two years, which is an insanely low number. But as a hitter, you have to know what to hit, but how did you develop the eye to know what not to swing at? As a youngster, I, I watched a lot of a lot of baseball on TV. You know, the game of the week. You know, when I was growing up, we would get one game of the week, usually the Yankees on on Saturday afternoon or whatever. That was before the Braves even came. And I would just watch those guys and try to, uh, you know, emulate what they were doing. And I watched and I learned. I learned a lot about baseball just watching. Uh, yeah, that was my favorite team, the Yankees, back in the day, watching Manon and uh, some of those guys. Uh, and like I said, I just tried to uh, do what they were doing, put what they were doing into my game. So, yeah, I was, like I said, I was a big Yankee fan, and I just tried to do what they were doing. You end up playing professionally from 1981 through 1988, a number of years spent in AAA. What was it like to play the game that you loved as a pro? Oh, it was great, uh, especially traveling around the country and uh, and doing something that you really enjoyed. I had a couple of 
league championships, we won at Indianapolis back in 86, also in 87. So that was fun. The way we won, it was just thrilling down two runs in the ninth and came back and won it with a two-run single by Billy Moore. Oh, man, that was a, a big thrill, winning that the championship on a game winner like that. It was, you know, something that I'll, I'll never forget. Just playing the game I love and traveling around the country. Country boy like me, I thought I would never get out of Hinesville. And baseball has taken me a number of places. Even when I was at Georgia Southern, I got to go with the, an all-star team over to Seoul, Korea, where we played the uh, Korean team in a seven-game friendship series. Baseball has taken me a number of places that wouldn't been able to uh, go. So I really enjoyed my time just playing baseball, and the travel was just phenomenal. How important was it for you as a black man growing up in Hinesville, Georgia, to have that kind of success, whether it was in the game of baseball or just period? Georgia Southern, I don't know why they chose me. I am grateful for them giving me an opportunity to come to Georgia Southern. I looked around and I didn't see too many black men. Barry Lord was one. I think he and I were the only two blacks that went out while I attended uh, Georgia Southern. I never had any problems. Uh, the guys were all great. My teammates were just super and treated me good. Never had a problem racially or anything like that. Uh, the coaching staff, were, they treated me like they did everyone else. I, I didn't have one single incident with any of the guys or any of my coaches. So I'm really, I was really grateful for that. It's been just over 40 years since you concluded your career at Georgia Southern, but thinking back on the time and how valuable it was for the rest of your life, as you've seen your life unfold, what does the Georgia Southern experience mean to you? Oh, it's an experience that I'll never forget, man. I guess the my record, I mean, I'm proud of it. The records that I still hold there after all these years, uh, maybe one day someone will come around and, uh, and break them, but I, I am very proud to hold those records. I mean, the experience was just super while, while I was there. And, you know, some of the teams we played, uh, uh, we played a, a top-notch schedule, you know, Florida States and, you know, the Georgians. The experience is, is something I'll, I'll never forget. It was just, it was just great. Darrell, we appreciate your contributions to Georgia Southern. Thank you so much for being who you are, and we really appreciate the time today. Danny, thank you, and thanks for having me. And go Eagles. Hello, welcome to another bank. Please just say what you need help with. Check my balance. I heard pay a bill. Is that correct? Uh. When you bank at Morris Bank, you won't be greeted with an automated response system or wonder if you're just another account number because real relationships make community banking better. Morris Bank and Georgia Southern football were built on the same blue-collar mentality. And at Morris Bank, blue isn't just a part of our ad campaign. It's a part of our DNA. Morris Bank is proud to be the season-presenting sponsor of Georgia Southern football. Bleed blue, bank blue. Morris Bank, member FDIC. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of Inside Eagle Nation. Georgia Southern men's and women's basketball heading to Pensacola this week for the women. On Wednesday night, they have the winner of number 11 Arkansas State and number 14 ULM with a chance to play in Friday's quarterfinal against the number three seed Southern Miss Golden Eagles. For the men, they started on Thursday night 
taking on number 10 ULM with a shot at Saturday's quarterfinal against the number two Raging Cajuns on the line. 8.30 tip, we're live at 8 with the Cutwater Spirits countdown to tip off. Tonight, though, Eagle Baseball in town finishing up the eight-game homestand against Mercer. 6 o'clock first pitch, airtime 5.30, Cutwater Spirits on deck circle from J.I. Clement Stadium between the Georgia Southern Eagles and the Mercer Bears. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you in March. This is Danny Reed, and you've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics.